0: Thing goes motto of the show let your Greek flag fly probably
1: the only good advice i'll ever give you is to re-hide your whips and chain
0: here is your host kathy
4: hi hi, hi. welcome to hey welcome to the strictly anonymous podcast If you haven't followed me yet on Instagram or Twitter, follow me at Strict Anonymous. If you want to be on the show, it's called Strictly Anonymous because everybody remains anonymous on my show. I change everyone's voices. I change everyone's names. I just want to hear your true story. So if you have a great, true, interesting, naughty, salacious story that you want to talk to me about... You could be on the show. Send me an email, strictlyanonymouspodcast at gmail.com or go to my website, strictlyanonymouspodcast.com and click on be on the show or go to Instagram or Twitter at Strict Anonymous, and DM me there. If you're listening on a podcast app, Make sure to follow my show. If you're listening on YouTube, make sure to subscribe. Now today, I'm just going to get right to who I have on today. Jamal. I love that Jamal listened to my show and was like, I'm going to be on that bitch's podcast because he wanted to come on and talk about like prison sex. Like he has been in prison. He was there for many years and he wanted to talk about what really goes down in prisons when it comes to prison sex. But we talked about so much more because I'm just curious by nature. Like I have to tell you, I did my show for seven years and I didn't make a dime off of it. I was doing other jobs. I was a single mom. Like it was just something that I did for fun because I love nothing better than to sit down with a total stranger and listen to their life story. I love hearing people's stories. And so when He emailed me. I was so excited to talk to him because there are so many things I wanted to know, not just about prison sex, but like everything. And I heard everything from Jamal. And I think it's such an important episode. I do my show because I do like to show the human being behind the fucking headline. There's like always a sentence about someone like, Oh, a guy who was selling crystal meth that wound up in jail. Like that could be the headline, but you're going to hear that guy's story. And I promise you when you hear that guy's story of what happened to him before he picked up crystal meth and how and why he got into jail, you will feel differently About him than if you just read the fucking headline and I think that people always rush to judgment They don't get the full story. I personally am the opposite of that I always believe there's a fucking backstory people don't pick up crystal meth for no effing reason Okay, people don't wind up hardcore criminals for no effing reason there are There's trauma there and we talk about his trauma, what happened to him. He was flamboyantly gay from a very young age and it caused a problem. In his family with his father, his mother had wasn't there to begin with. He talks about those all of that. I'm not going to give too much up because I really think it's important for you to hear the story. So he talks about the stuff that happened to him when he was younger and made him feel terrible about himself. He talks about how he got into crystal meth and how he got addicted to sucking dick. He was gay already. I mean, he was always... Gay, but he really got addicted to sex. He was doing adult bookstores and prostitutes and escorts. But then, like I said, he got into the crystal meth and then he wound up in the fucking slammer. And he talks about being in the detention center. He was there for a long time. And it is a, it's is a—it's like a really interesting story because, I don't know, for me, I found out a lot of stuff that I had never heard about. What goes down in that detention center? You know, how is it set up? How is federal prisons different than state ones? He was in, what is that called? Solitary confinement when he first got in there and had to come off a of crystal meth. And they don't even help you when you're in there. Okay. It's hardcore. I mean, brutal when you hear a story, but he's here to say that that whole thing that happened to him and being in jail was really the best thing that ever happened to him because it did get him clean, but it was a tough process. Then he winds up in jail and he talks about all the sex he had there, all the straight men that he sucked their dicks, (laughs) his roommates, the relationship that he had, he was there for like five years. Okay. Then he talks about getting out and you'd be a little horrified by what they do when they let you out of jail i mean they don't give you much money i mean he was like homeless when he got out but seven years later we're talking to jamal seven years after he got out of prison after being in prison for five years out seven years and you know he's a manager of a restaurant he's doing very well but let me tell you this was the first time he had ever spoke about all the stuff that he went through when he was younger all the stuff that got him into crystal meth And busted to begin with. And I feel like he might have had a turning point on this podcast. I love that. I feel like he was ready to talk about it. And this is a guy that needs to be talking about it. And so it was his first time talking about it. And I think it was very healing for him. And I think you need to listen to the whole effing episode. Because it's so fascinating. His story is fascinating. Not just the sex stuff. There's a lot of sex stuff in the middle. But the before and the after... I love it. I love conversations like this. I always give them out as bonus episodes of Mia one. I had one Mia was kidnapped. It was the same kind of story like this. Less sex but just as fascinating to me. I love human being stories. This is Jamal's story and it's great. There's a beginning and a middle and a happy ending which I like. I You know you don't want to talk to somebody in the middle of their problem. You do want to talk to somebody when they're at the end and could look back and see the positives like i said he's already at the place in his life that he could look back and say that was the best thing that ever happened to me and that's what's great so anyway i'm just gonna get right back on with jamal
0: this is the strictly anonymous podcast
4: hi jamal welcome to the strictly anonymous podcast how are you today
2: i'm doing good doing good great to meet you i've been Just caught on to your episodes and I saw the episode with the the army guy where he was talking about being in the army and I was like, yeah, I could relate to what he was going through in the army with dudes and stuff like that. So I was like, let me just give you a call about that.
4: Yeah, because you emailed me and you were like, listen, I was in prison and I'm going to tell you the truth of what actually (laughs) goes down there. This isn't about the army. You kind of like related to it because of what happened to him in the army, but you weren't in the army. You were in prison. No, no.
2: Yes, I was in prison.
4: Yeah, which I love because not that I love that you're in prison, but I love, (laughs) you know, I haven't never had somebody come on and really talk about the truth of what really goes down there. So I'm very curious of hearing your whole story.
3: Yes.
2: So where do you want to? You want to? Uh...
4: I want to start with this. I got to tell you, I had a first que- my One of my first questions that I thought of when I got your email, because whenever I get emails from guests, like I already have questions in my head from their emails. You mentioned the word gay, and I was like, I wonder, was he gay before he went in, or did you come out that way?
2: I was always gay. Okay. I so... came out of the, I came out of the vagina gay.
3: <laughs>
4: <laughs> you came out of there always... what? I came
2: out of the vagina gay. <laughs> I have never been with a female. Never been in a relationship with a female. I'm a hundred. I'm a gold You're star. You're
4: a gay. gold star gay. Okay, love it. Okay, Jamal. So let's start off with how you. So before, how old were you when you went into jail? Tell me what you what happened if you don't mind telling us how why you went to jail.
2: Oh, it was distribution of a controlled substance. It was drug charge, but the, the, what gave me the most of the time was was there was a gun involved. So
4: you had a uh, gun on you at the same time? No, I. I There was a gun in my apartment. Right.
2: When they raided me, and I refused to give up the person who it belonged to.
4: Oh, because it didn't belong to you, and you didn't want to snitch.
2: No. And uh, at that time, I was in a very vulnerable spot, and I should have fought the charge, but I I copped a plea. So you know, I got more time than I felt I should
4: have gotten. Right, um, right, because it no. wasn't your gun, and it wasn't no. like you were using it on anybody, but what, what is no. the what is the charge? You can't even be in possession of it because you didn't have like a license or something? No,
2: I didn't. I wasn't, I, I did not purchase, it wasn't mine.
4: Right, right, so you didn't have the paperwork. Is that what you got charged with? Is that what, is the crime here?
2: Yes, and then I had crystal meth.
4: <laughs> were you <laughs> selling it, or was it like a- just- I,
2: I was, yes.
4: You I was, were? Uh, yeah. Oh, my yeah. goodness. Well, I know that you have a job now and you're working in the workforce because when you canceled your appointment last week, you're like, oh, I had to I got called into work, you know, so you're all up, up and up. No more selling drugs tomorrow.
2: No, no, I, I I no more doing that. <laughs> you cleaned your
4: act up. Oh, my goodness. How long were you doing it before you got busted? And do you know how you you got caught? I wasn't doing it that long.
2: I mean, I was doing it for about a year, year and a half, about about three months prior to being caught, I was doing it a lot. And that's why I was getting into the district. I wasn't even doing it. I wasn't even selling it that long. I think somebody snitched on me or somebody gave up, gave up, I don't know. But I don't know how the feds were, got to me so quickly.
4: Wow, but th- so it was like the feds?
2: The feds, yes. Yeah. Yeah, they, they they came in, like, it was a whole bunch of them. They came in, they bust that door
4: down. <laughs> oh, my God, it it's like... It was no joke. Yeah, it's like yeah. TV shit. I mean, this is why I'm curious. I'm sorry, but I have to spend, like, 10 minutes on this because it's kind of fascinating, right? So you were just using for, like, a year, and then towards the end you were selling? Is that the story? So yes, to, okay. to
2: keep my habit because my, my, it's expensive habits. And you were addicted. You got addicted. I was addicted, yeah.
4: Crystal meth. What does that do? Like, how hardcore does that fuck your brain up?
2: It messes with your brain. Even messes messes with my brain now. I'm recovering from it. Wow. You know? Especially That's... when it comes to sex. It, it messes. It messes. Like, I'm still having, you know, memory issues. I'm, you know, sex, like, it makes me takes me a long time to come like i don't have the same yeah it doesn't like the stimulation of sex prior to crystal meth i haven't reached that point yet for some reason i can't get to that point
4: oh wow that's a psa to people (laughs) yeah you know
2: yeah stay away from crystal meth it's terrible (laughs) but
4: let me ask you this because i mean i would assume there was some sort of gateway drug like i mean you don't just like the first drug you don't pick up is crystal meth right i mean how did you get there And I'm just going to tell you, this is the reason why I want to know, because I think it's important for people to see people who wind up in jail selling crystal meth as human beings. You know what I mean? Like the whole story, not just like that one sentence, because people could get very judgy and then they paint their own picture and it's not reality. So I think it's important to know, like, how did Jamal, who was, you know, somebody who at one point wasn't doing crystal meth, how do you get there? So tell me that. Okay.
2: so. So what happened was when I was I, you know, a typical gay kid growing up in a small town, mm-hmm. my mother abandoned me when I was young. So I grew up with my father mm-hmm. and we were close. And then when I turned nine and like 19 years old, I started my mannerism started showing up. So I started getting more effeminate.
4: Socially. Oh, OK. It was obvious.
2: It was getting more obvious. Mm-hmm. And my father freaked out and we became distant. That came distant with my, fam- my family, too. So I my father didn't kick me out or anything, you know, but we were never close ever again. Mm-hmm. And due to that, I started having internal internal hatred.
4: Of in- course. I mean, your first year abandoned by your mother, which is very hardcore. How old were you when that happened? Five years old. Oh, God. So do you remember her? Vaguely. Vaguely, right? But still, mm-hmm. I mean, that... I still
2: have have pictures of her. I remember my my fourth birthday, they took pictures and she was there.
4: And do you know why she abandoned her children? Because I mean, as a mother, I just have to imagine that someone has to be, something's got to be really fucking wrong for a woman to walk away from her children.
2: I asked my father that. He he, he just couldn't tell me. He said, he just couldn't tell me. They didn't want to get married. He wanted to get married, but she didn't want to get
4: but I mean she was with you for five years. Like what so she walked out on him and therefore you were just like collateral damage?
2: yeah, she just vanished, disappeared. Wow. And so he he, he took up the mantle of being the father and the mother.
4: Okay. And then now so many years later, how old are you when he when he rejects you nine around that time?
2: Dot ten years old. Oh, I remember yeah, him yeah. saying I remember I remember him saying we had a we had an argument yeah. and I would roll my eyes and You, you know, the hand gestures, he'd be like, you're so strange. You're a strange kid. And he just, we just became distant. We just stopped talking to each other. And I mean, he still supported me financially, like he'd work hard to put me through school and stuff, but we barely spoke to each other
4: you know. But you took that on and you internalized that like oh my god something's wrong with me. First my mother, now my father and it's for no other reason. I mean you're nine years old. You don't know that like you're not doing anything wrong. You're just expressing who you are.
2: Yes. So mm-hmm. I I had a lot of internal internalized hatred. I did not want to be gay. Mm-hmm. I felt like I disappointed my father.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: So in college, so during that time, you know like my, my mid-teens and stuff I had opportunities to have, you know, sex with other guys. I turned them down because I did not want to affirm my uh, sexuality. my sexuality. So I did not lose my virginity until I was 21. Okay. And I lost my virginity to a prostitute. It was, I wanted to, my first time to be controlled. So I paid money. Saved up some money. I went to college. I at first, I went to college. I didn't finish college. So I got a, you know, a minimum wage job. And I saved up my money. And I got a prostitute. So I was fighting to lose all my virginity, my oral, anal.
3: <laughs>
2: and it was part bad, part good. The bad part was... I chose somebody with an eight-inch cock. It was huge. <laughs> and if you're gonna start doing anal sex, you're gonna, you know, want something a bit smaller. So that wasn't working. I'm not, a, I'm not particularly an anal person. Yeah, yeah. You're with. not a bottom. Not a bottom. So it was very painful. Didn't enjoy that. But what I did enjoy was sucking dick. I, I tell you, I took the sucking dick like a duck to water. I was like <laughs> slobbering oh, in oh that dick. God. The guy was kind of shocked too because he was like, "This is you sure this is your first time?" I was like, well, "Yeah, <laughs> my first time." I literally had him coming in minutes. Wow! Uh, so, so after that, I became literally a cock whore.
0: BP added more than seventy billion dollars to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy. And starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Mm-hmm.
2: I couldn't afford prostitutes to do that. So I started going to bookstores. I went to sex parties. And I, be- I became... And the thing about me is I have an addictive personality. So yeah, yeah. if I find something that I like, I'm going to go full bore. I want to go all the way, not just halfway, all the way. So I yeah, so I, I started being a lot, very promiscuous. And the moment that changed my life was changed that whole trajectory was my father died. He got killed in a in a home invasion.
4: Oh my goodness. Like like murdered.
2: Got murdered, yes. And come to find out that I wasn't allowed to go to the funeral and he had written me out of the will so I got nothing from him
4: wait a second wait a second wait a second how, so, this whole time, you're kind of talking to your dad, but, like, you don't know that he's axed you out that hardcore. No. You know, we would talk once in a while. We, we we talk, you know, just surface conversation. Right, but you didn't think that you would not be able to go to his funeral. I mean, that's a very, that's a totally different... How do you find out that you can't go to the funeral, and who tells you my
2: that? My uncle, my grand-uncle, told me that, that if I go to the funeral, that there will be some trouble.
4: Did he explain why? Yeah,
2: but I'm homosexual. Like... In my community, yeah. the neighborhood I lived in, yeah, being gay is the worst thing you can be. Right. I mean, it's really, really bad. So
4: It's like machismo? You
2: know, co- yes. Uh-huh. So when that happened, I went in a tailspin. And,
4: horrific. That's horrific. Yeah. So nobody, did you have brothers or sisters?
2: No, I'm no. the only child.
4: So you were not even allowed to go to your dad's funeral and he had written you out of the will.
2: Yes. Uh, so I got nothing from him. Uh, so I went into a tailspin. And when I used to usually go to these sex parties, they usually have drugs. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I was like, I'm not touching it. I'm not touching it. I'm not touching it. Uh, right. And then this night, I saw the drugs on the table. And I was like, I said, what is that? And I knew what it was. I was just, and I said, crystal meth.
4: Oh, so it was crystal meth first time. Wow. Okay. <laughs> yeah.
2: And I said, you want to try it? I was like, yeah. I was like, I didn't give a fuck. I just didn't care anymore. I didn't care about anything anymore. And I tried it, and let me tell you something. This is not an endorsement, but I just want to tell you what the the feeling the first time taking it is. I've never felt so high in my life. I've never felt all my troubles disappear. I'm not a very social person. I remember I, th- I, I, I had a lot of internalized hatred, as I told you before, so I wasn't very confident. Yeah. But the crystal meth just made me feel like a hero or something, or just like I could do anything and everything, and I had confidence, and I walked with my, my, with my shoulders back, and I just felt like, like this wonder drug that solved all my problems, like, and then... And it, of course, it made you more horny and you're able to last longer and stuff. So it started out as like a, a weekly thing. I'm only doing it once a week, just once a week.
3: That's mm-hmm, it. Mm-hmm.
2: Then that escalated and escalated and escalated until the point where I was doing it every single day. And it was just chasing that first high. It's always that first high you're chasing, trying totally, to get back yeah. to that point. And, you just, and the lows keep getting lower and lower and lower. And so when I would come off the the, the crystal meth, mm-hmm. along with the self-hatred, along with the depression, that compounded the the coming off the the, the crystal meth. So if I didn't do it, I probably would have, I, I would need more because if I didn't do it, I probably committed suicide. I, that, how bad I was.
4: Right. The only thing that gets you out of feeling bad from not having it is by having it again. And that's the yeah. vicious cycle that you can't fucking get off of.
2: Get out of. Yeah. So it got worse and worse to the point where I just couldn't afford to have it.
4: How expensive is it? Like what, what, like how much you pay for that? Like what, what is it like a bag? Is it a vial? I don't even, I don't know anything about crystal meth.
2: It's a bag. Well, at that time it was like, I'll be spending close to a hundred, 150 a day.
4: So a bag, a bag is like 150 bucks. Yeah. Wow. Mm -hmm. And how long does that last you? One bag. Like, does it get you high? And, like, how long is the high for? The high is
2: probably, like, a day.
4: Oh, right. That's a long time. Mm-hmm. But
2: then you got, then you, you, develop, you develop tolerance. And then, you know, you, you need more and more. So I, my hobby was going up to, like, $200, $300 a day. And I'm working a minimum wage job. I can't afford that. I'm paying rent. Yeah. But you
4: need it at this point. Now you need it.
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's not just a matter of wanting it. It's needing it. Mm-hmm. So I, I had a family member who was a, who was dabbling in dealing drugs and I hooked up with him. And we started doing that to help
3: pay for my habit. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. And it wasn't that long. Yeah. But I'm kind of glad that I got stopped totally. because I, I was heading to, I was heading to the grave. I was literally heading to the grave. I had no, I didn't care about myself anymore. I didn't care at all. I was a mess. Yeah. And I, you know, I was an absolute mess. I didn't care about the way I looked. I didn't care about anything at all.
4: Yeah, because listen, you pick that up at a time where you were a mess, right? Like you were still that person, you know, those drugs didn't cure anything, you know? It, and if anything, it just makes it worse because now you yeah. have this, other problem where you are you hooked have. and addicted physically addicted to something that you can't get off of so now you're more fucked than you were before and you were fucked before
2: yeah i and i i know all people i don't know if they would agree with it but the prison saved my life i mean if it was yeah. somebody somebody needed to stop me and say stop
4: yeah stop yeah, yeah. it's called a bottom you know listen in the rooms they would say that's a bottom and that was your bottom and you know any addict could look back any addict that's successfully sober and anybody that gets successfully sober they're always 10,000 times better than they were when they were using you know so you, everyone looks back at that bottom as the best thing that could have happened to them it's not easy it wasn't easy I'm sure you didn't look at it that way I love that I'm talking to you so many years later that you could reflect back and explain that you know probably that minute those feds came in you were were like fuck this is the worst day of my life but it wound up yeah. to be the best day because it did save you and that's amazing
2: oh yeah because uh, yeah, if it didn't happen i probably would have been dead because I, I i was i was taking a lot i mean i was i was doing too much
4: right so wait but were you like sleeping so walk me through that morning
2: i was sleeping there was a knock on the door mm-hmm. i was groggy mm-hmm. so i didn't answer immediately
3: mm-hmm.
2: and then knocked again bam 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 I was, like, I was like, what the hell's going on here?
4: Yeah. What's going on?
2: And I walk to the, out the room, and then I hear, bam, bam, bam. And then I hear the door busted open, and I'm like, oh, shit. My hands up, I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> they come oh, inside, and they have guns, and I'm like, oh, oh my shit. God. <laughs> and then this guy with the, like a detective type mm-hmm. of guy, he pulls me to the side and he takes me outside, and then he shows me the warrant. And he says we're gonna search your apartment. He didn't even they were searching the apartment. He, even before he gave me the warrant, he would they were rubbish, rushing, rubbing into my apartment. And and he was talking to me and I knew enough to say, don't say anything <laughs> at that moment. And he says he's gonna, you know, he's gonna have to take me in. They they got a bag, the the bag with the stuff and they're rummaging through it and stuff and so, I didn't see the, the end portion because they took me to the police car.
4: Mm-hmm. They cuffed you, read you your rights, all that stuff?
2: Yes. Uh-huh. Uh, and then they took me down. And it was embarrassing because everybody in the apartment complex was like,
4: what the hell is going on? What's going oh, on? What's God. Going on? What's going on. Yeah.
2: It was embarrassing. But I got in the, the police car and they took me to the detention center. Mm-hmm. And they put me in solitary confinement. Oh, my and, goodness. Yeah. That was, I would say those two first two weeks in prison was one of the worst times of my life because I was coming off crystal meth.
4: Right. So you're detoxing.
2: I'm detoxing. Not only that, I'm stuck in this small cell. They put me by myself, luckily. Mm-hmm. And it had a shower in there. Mm-hmm. And so I didn't leave. I was in there
4: 24-7. But they don't help you medically, like, at all? I Because mean, I...
2: no they don't give a crap about you.
4: Wow. That's pretty fucked up because so because you're physically I mean, I don't know. I've heard of like opioid like, you know, or fentanyl. People get off of that like they have to be sometimes hospitalized. You know, I mean, like how coming off of crystal meth, like how hardcore was that in that solitary confinement by yourself? No help, no medication or nothing. No,
2: no medication no nothing. I was in so much pain like my bones were aching like. Like my body was screaming for for you know for the for the high. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. I couldn't sleep. Every part of me ached, and then I had to do get my court-appointed lawyer, and they were telling me all these things. And my mind was my mind wasn't right.
3: Yeah. You know? yeah. I wasn't.
2: It wasn't in the right spot. And before you know it, you know I'm sentenced to, you know, six years in prison. I'm like what the fuck <laughs> right, Because
4: that that's at that time that you're like so out of it and coming off of it that they also tell you about the 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 gun charge too and you don't yeah they're telling
2: yet. me i'm looking i'm looking at 20 years in prison and you're you're being you know you're being told that you know if you don't sign this you know you're looking at all this time in prison
4: aye, aye, aye.
2: i didn't know i didn't have anybody to call and nobody i had really had nobody yeah so that's what happened
4: but solitary confinement, like you're just stuck in it. Like I have claustrophobia. Like that's why I would never do anything fucked up because I can't wind up a jail. Like I would flip out. Like I can't handle not being in control. Oh, yeah.
2: It was torture. Like
4: after the second week,
2: mm-hmm. I begged. It's called the captain. Mm-hmm. He controls the, the captain to get me to general population because I couldn't I was going insane. Right. I was losing my mind. And I begged him to take me out of solitary to put me in general population.
4: Why were uh, you in solitary confinement by the way? because you were detoxing? Yes, Oh, okay.
2: Yeah, I was acting erratic in there. i was I was being cr- kind of crazy in there. <laughs> right, right,
4: right? Screaming, agony, uh, pain, yeah. flipping agony, out yeah, yeah, yeah. so yeah. they just lock you up by yourself. Oh yeah, yeah. this is why you never want to do anything wrong because you know you're not treated well in prison. <laughs>
2: No, it's not. They don't care about you. are just a number to them.
4: Right. Uh, so you beg to get put in general population, general population. and he listens?
2: Yes. He, about a day after, he took me out and took me in general population.
3: Okay. So and, let's go
4: through that.
2: Okay. So the way the prison is, it's like a high rise and it's it has pods, different pods. So I was put in a pod. It was like about 60 or 70 rooms. And each room they had two man cells. So you had your toilet, you had your you know your bunk beds, and it was I'm telling you from the this is this is a federally funded facility. Yeah. Okay. Okay. State funded facilities are not that nice. State okay. funded facilities, they cram everybody into one area. So with the federally funded, it's it's a little bit nicer. Uh-huh. So when I got there, They put me in with this guy. It was this older Latino guy. And I remember the second day that I was there and I was standing by the balcony looking over the the pod. And this guy walks up to me and he started talking to me saying that, you know, he probably... Figured that I was new. You could tell, you know, in prison, yeah. we call people who are new fish. Mm-hmm. He thought I was fish. <laughs> and he started talking to me say telling me, you know, it's going to be okay. And da 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 But the red flag was when he said, uh, if you need anything, let me know. Okay. That is something that's a red flag to me. Because I've heard, like, in prison, there's this thing guy called the booty bandit. Okay. The booty bandit is a professional criminal who is, you know, connoisseur of the get, of men, male ass. They love male ass. That's, that's why they call them the booty bandit.
3: Uh-huh.
2: And what they do, they they don't take it from you with a with a knife or anything like that. They take it from you with finesse. They, they have the finesse game, where they're able to to get you either into debt with them, or you know or they finesse you out of your pants so to speak Mm -hmm. and they're very charismatic they're they come to you then you know you're in a very vulnerable spot of course so and they see that and they're usually the first ones that come to you and talk to you and try to you know get you with them so i remember one time it was a couple days after his roommate he had his own roommate i had my own roommate his roommate moved out he comes in my room when my roommate's out he's working out he comes in my room and he's like Oh, my roommate has moved out. I want you to move in with me. And I said, I like I like my roommate. He's like then he starts playing with his dick and he's like, you know, you know, I know, I, you know, I want you. I want you. I was like, no. <laughs> no. I'm not I'm not I'm not doing this. Yeah. Yeah. So I turned him down and then he left me alone after that when he realized that, you know, he was going to go nowhere with me. But the first time I hooked up in prison was my second roommate. So when my first roommate moved out, my second roommate, he was an older Latino. He was like a mid-40s, early 50s Latino dude. And he became friends with the neighbors, which were two other Latinos. So they would come in the room and they would cook. Cook? Where is the fucking kitchens? In your rooms? Yeah, get, no, no, no. We had microwaves. Oh, wow. So what what they would do, they get the rice. Yeah. they get the rice. And they would fry the the that got sausages in commissary like I don't know what I want to call them, man, sausage churroso and sausages. Yeah. And they would fry those in the in the in the in the pans, plastic pans, and they would make rice. We can you know get the water, hot water, and you make the rice that way, and then they mix it together with they had seasoning in in the commissary,
3: mm-hmm.
2: mix it together, and you, it's actually pretty good because they would give me some, and it was actually pretty good.
4: So they would cook for you. They this is cook. your neighbors. They'd come back
3: b- next door. They'll
2: come also. All three of them would be in mm-hmm. the room and they would be talking and stuff. Now, I noticed that the two neighbors would always be staring at me <laughs> and looking at me, you know, those with those hungry eyes, you know, those eyes, glazed <laughs> oh look, look eyes. Yeah. <laughs> and I noticed, I noticed that. But I didn't notice that for my roommate. My roommate was not giving that vibe. He was not giving, you know, he was married, you know.
4: Quick question, and I'm, I remember exactly where you are. We'll get right back to it. I just want uh-huh. to know, like, in this prison, because you're, you know, you're someone that was selling drugs. Are you in a place with other people who are doing the same sorts of things, or are you in there with like people who murdered people and all kinds of um, criminals?
2: Okay, so so the thing is, state and federal are two different things. Yeah, state crimes yeah. are usually rape, uh-huh. murder, right. Those are more intense crimes. Yeah, federal prisons is more white collar, right? Um, drug dealing, conspiracy, right. drug dealing, and stuff like that. So the criminals in the federal prison, yes, some some are gang members and are and they're tough. Mm-hmm. But federal federal section is usually the 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 criminals are, are a lot better, so to speak. Quote quote. Unquote, right.
4: So yeah. in a weird way, when the feds knocked on your door, it was a lot better than the cops. Yeah, the state
2: lock like, state, not, but yeah. the thing is that the state gives less time.
3: Oh, But the conditions
2: are worse. Beds give more time, but the conditions are better. So, you know, you, have to, you know, that's the way it works.
4: Okay, great. So, get back to your story. So, your roommate's not giving you the googly eyes, but the other two guys are.
2: The other two guys are. Mm-hmm. So, I wasn't picking up anything from my roommate. So, one night, we're locked in after count, and he's in the upper bunk, I'm in the lower bunk. He comes off the upper bunk. he's sitting in a chair, because we have a chair in the in the in, in the in the room, mm-hmm. and we're talking. And I'm laying down, he's sitting there, and we're just talking normal stuff. Then all of a sudden, the conversation goes left to sex about giving blowjobs and give sucking dick. And he asks me if I suck dick. And I said, Yes, I'm gay, da-da-da-da-da. And then he just looks at me and says, You want to suck my dick? And I was like, Whoa. I wasn't expecting that. Yeah, I know he he was a good looking guy. He was a good looking guy. So I was like, okay. So <laughs> he went he went to the door because the door has a little box in it where it's a window mm-hmm. where if the guards walk by they can look in.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: So he went to make sure to find out where the guards were, and then he came back and then he pulled his pants down. He had a he had a fat dick. It wasn't very long, but it was it was fat. And then I sucked his dick and, and it was, it was good. I mean, I, I, I'm a type of person. I like, you know, guys who are, you know, aggressive and, you know, kind of degrading. So he was there talk, calling me names and this and that and I kind of like that. And he comes in my mouth and he pulls up and he just goes back to sleep. So we did that for two days and then he comes to me and he's like, my neighbor's. One of my neighbors is his birthday, and he was like, you know, you want me to, you know, help him out, mm-hmm. give him like a little birthday present, so to speak. And he's the roommates, the the guys next door were, were good looking, They're guys were attractive, and I I didn't give him my definite answer yet. I just I just hmm, not hard. So the birthday came, we're there. They cook. They have a whole spread, and they're you know talking and have gallivanting, and then. You know all of a sudden the room gets quiet, and all three of them are staring at me. It's like oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> expect you know expectingly staring at me yeah oh so so one of the guys what he my roommate told one of the guys to put a towel up so this is what we do in prison in prison when you want to use the bathroom in private mm-hmm. you want people looking in on you you put, we put a towel over the window over the glass mm-hmm you put a towel over it so that people can't look in. Right. So he put the towel up so that nobody can see what's happening inside. And then uh, just went on a popping, you know. I started, I started out with the roommate, my his roommate, because, you know, uh, my roommate is very aggressive. Yeah. He pulls his dick out and I start going down on him. And then that gave the green light to the other two that everything was okay, so they pulled their dicks out. And then I went from him to the birthday boy <laughs> and I sucked him off. Oh my goodness! Then... <laughs> but
4: this was all consensual, right? I mean, like oh consensual, yeah, 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 I, yeah. I wasn't
2: so. forced. No, I wasn't forced. And this is one of the this is one of the misconceptions about prison is that that you know of rape. Yeah. Probably back in the day that was common, uh-huh. but it's not so common now, especially in the federal system, because they have a law called PREA. Uh huh. And if you if you are are charged with any rape inside prison, you can literally go on a registry. For that, you know oh wow, saying? you get you catch another charge, so it's very frowned upon. And plus, with more guys being open and out,
3: mm-hmm. there's a
2: lot more openness to homosexuality in prison.
4: Right. As there's
2: more openness to homosexuality on the outside, there's more hom- open to homosexuality
4: in on the, the inside. inside, right? So, yeah. so it's not like they had to force you.
2: <laughs> no, no, no. Right. There's a lot of open guys.
4: Yeah. Though, the, okay. Who cool. Are, who are willing?
3: Mm-hmm.
2: So I go, I suck the birthday boy off. And then I sucked the the other guy off. And but you have to understand we, we have to be very quick about it. You know, we can't have that towel up for, for too long because it will get look suspicious. So this is more like probably like about seven minutes. hmm And you know, yeah, I had to put in the work to get them to come quickly because I didn't want to get caught. So I got them all off and then they went on their way.
4: But let me ask you this real quick question, because you're like, I don't want to get caught. In jail, is there any allowance for sexual acts? It's
2: a, it's a federal, it's, it's an
4: infraction. Okay. If
2: you get caught having sex, you'll be sent to the hole, and you'll have an infraction. You can have good time taken away because you get good time in prison. Right. Good time will be taken away from you, so it's an infraction. Okay. And you're sent to the hole. So I didn't want because I wasn't, I wasn't sentenced yet. So I oh, didn't okay. want any, I, I didn't want any more time taxed or anything like that. So I wanted to be very careful. So I didn't want to get caught. huh. So, so I made sure I, I made quick work of those dicks, you know, <laughs> and got them on their way.
3: Yeah.
2: And we did it one more time until me and my roommate got in an argument and we got in an argument and then he moved out and then he moved in next door because the, the, one of the neighbors got sent, got shipped out right. and he, he lived with that dude. And we, we never hooked up after that. He left probably a week or two after that anyway. Right. So we never hooked up. We never hooked up after that. After he moved out, I literally had the place to myself. One thing, good thing about being gay in prison mm-hmm. is that you tend to get the room by yourself. Why? Because in prison, if a straight man goes in a room with a gay guy
3: mm-hmm.
2: and doesn't want to be moved out, Mm-hmm. They're fucking. You're what? They, they're fucking. They're considered fucking. If I if there's a gay guy in the room with you, you're yeah. considered fucking that gay dude.
4: Oh, I get it. So it's they don't like this. They don't want the stigma attached to them. They
2: don't want the stigma attached to them. So a straight guy would come in my room, yeah, and then the whispers would go around to him. I say, "Oh, that's a gay dude in there. You know, it's a gay dude," and he'd move. He'd move off. Move off real quick because he didn't <laughs> oh. want this. There. So I oh literally God. had. The, yeah. So I literally had room to myself to.
4: So like listen if I like this is what people should know like if you wind up in prison one day pretend and you're not gay just pretend you are you'll get the room to yourself.
2: Get the room to yourself. Yeah.
4: Yeah.
2: So when I so I was able to get a couple guys and so I hooked up with a couple guys who come in
4: let me ask you this because i uh, you know uh, someone on the outside you know you always have those conversations with people like if you were in jail and there's no women around and you're stuck with a bunch of guys wouldn't you let a guy suck your dick i mean like you know that's like the question that we would ask straight guys i mean what's what is, what's the most irritating thing because i watch a lot of prison
2: youtubers right yeah. and they lie and they lie. My home,
4: my me and my homeboys. We don't do that gay shit. Oh yes, they do. That's what I'm asking. Yeah, do. that's what I want to know. Like, given given those circumstances, like they can't. There's no pussy around. There's no uh-huh. girls. They're in there for years. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Do they eventually, like you know, suck a dick or let a guy suck their dick? Yes, I would think so. Yeah, most definitely. If your man is in prison, yeah, there's an eight in ten chance. He has
2: messed with a the dude. Right. There's a highly likelihood he's messed with a dude. Yeah. I know all these people are like, not my man. My man. My man <laughs> is straight. I'm not my man. Right. Yes,
3: your man.
4: Yeah, and they yeah. might be straight, but because they're in jail and there's nothing else around and their sex drive is still normal, they, you know, what are you, like, I don't yeah. know. I understand it.
2: And a lot of gay guys in prison believe that they're doing it because they're attracted. No, they're not attracted to you. You are a walking fleshlight. That's all that you are to them.
4: Yeah, they need to get off. They need that release.
2: They're tired of using their hands. They want something warm and they want something wet.
4: Listen, probably a part of some of those straight guys might have been, you know, had some tendencies and some of them maybe not. But even the one that's not, I think maybe after time, depending on how long they're in there, they might cross that line just because. And it doesn't mean anything. It just means that, you know, they couldn't there was no other options. Yes, there is this this thing. You don't have to be attracted to
2: somebody to have sex with them. Right. Because if that was the case, then there would be no prostitution. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Prostitution couldn't work.
4: Especially with men. I think men are more wired that way, more so than women especially. Uh So, you know, come on. I think a lot of guys would in that situation, even the straightest man, you know, if he's like locked up. And he can't get anything. After a while, I think maybe he'd wind up. It's an interesting... I'm going to do a poll after this episode just to ask what guys think. And I think that, listen, some guys may be like no fucking way, but you just don't know unless you're in that position. That's how I feel. And I, I, They will never admit it. Right. Never. On God's green earth, they yeah. will never admit it. Yeah, you're right.
2: right. They'll never admit it. So <laughs> <laughs> don't want to try and ask them because they'll never tell you.
4: Yeah, yeah. So go on.
2: So I just want to tell you about different races. Yeah. Like, like with blacks, mm-hmm. it's more undercomer. Oh with really? White, yeah, it's more uh, whites. It's more a little bit more acceptable. Mm-hmm. But with the Latinos, Latinos don't care. Uh. Our, we had what we call a Puerto Rican bus that came in. We because there's a, there's a federal prison, the federal detention center in Puerto Rico that flies to where I'm at. And they distribute Puerto Rican criminals into different prisons in America. So the, the, the plane came, called, called, the, called the Puerto Rican plane, comes in, it's a whole bunch of Puerto Ricans. Mm-hmm. Let me tell you something. They they don't give a fuck. They hit on you. Like, they will hit on you in front of everybody. Dirty birds. Whistle. <laughs> yeah, they whistle at you. They, say, they whistle at you and say, hey, mama. Oh, yes. They whistle at you. They don't care.
4: Yeah, I think it's a very sexual culture now. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right?
2: Yeah. So there was a whole bunch of Puerto Ricans that came in, and I I probably serviced half of them. (laughs) There was this one guy I want to talk about. Oh, my God. He was real skinny. He was,
4: like, about 20 years old, young kid. He
2: got caught carjacking and he got like a 15 year sentence
4: oh my god for stealing a car at that age
2: carjacking yeah he was part of a gang some gang Oh god. and he got caught up and i felt so bad for him but he was pursuing me hard like really hard he would like when i walked past the showers he would show me his dick and all that <laughs> nonsense oh he had a, he had one of the most oh my god so he comes in my room right and i put up the towel and I get on my knees and I pull his dick out. Oh, my God. It's one of the most beautiful dicks I've ever seen in my life. It was so long. But it was it was long and it fits in the mouth perfectly. And then he had these huge balls. <laughs> a man, oh humongous balls. Right. And I was sucking that dick, sucking that dick, sucking And I didn't want to stop. like. And he comes and then he would, he would come by every single day until they shipped him out. Mm-hmm. And then there was this other Puerto Rican guy. He was so pretty. He had he had blonde hair. He was he was brown. He had brown blonde hair and he had green eyes. Green eyes. It was so pretty, like a GQ model type. Yeah, guy. yeah, yeah. And I would service him too. And I, I mean, it was they they just don't care. It was like in my 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 room was literally walking in and out, in and out, in and out. In <laughs> and
4: all the all the guys knew what was going right, on. Right. Of course, word didn't, gets didn't out. They care. Didn't
2: care. Didn't care at all. Uh, So that was that was that that helped me (laughs) deal with this, you know, keep my mind off the situation, so to speak, for a little bit.
4: Can I ask you a quick question? Did you ever have any kind of relationships? Because you are gay, you know, I mean, did you ever have a relationship with a man that you in there or was it just always just sex? Not in because because the detention center
2: was was not a prison prison. Yeah. People weren't there for years. People were just there for
4: a couple weeks or a month. Oh, but you were there for years. No, no, no. I wasn't there for years. No. This is where I was getting sentenced. Oh, my God. All this sex and you haven't even been sentenced yet. (laughs) I haven't been sentenced yet. Oh, my God. So. How many dicks did you suck before you were sentenced? (laughs) Um, (laughs) probably like 15 or 16. Okay. (laughs) Uh, So, the, the,
2: the, the The detention center is linked to the courthouse. So they take you, whenever you go to the court, they they just take you right across to the courthouse. Yeah. And so this is the place. So it was transitory. It wasn't like there was people there for years. So that's why, you know, you you see one guy for one week and then he's gone. And you see another guy for a month and he's gone.
4: But you eventually wound up in a federal funded prison because I felt like we were talking before about the difference between state prisons and federal prisons. No,
2: yeah. So you have state lockup. And then you have Federal Detention Center.
4: Oh, okay. This is a Federal Detention Center. Okay. Detention Center. Yeah, whatever. Okay, yeah. keep going. Sorry. Oh, yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. So I got sentenced, and then once they sentence you, then they they assign you to a prison.
4: How long were you sentenced for? Six years? Six years. Okay.
0: Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Kaskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to Caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at Caskers.com.
2: I was assigned to a prison,
3: mm-hmm.
2: and then, then they send you to the prison. That's that's where other stuff happens. Oh, okay. But, okay. So I got I got I got sentenced mm-hmm. and then I got assigned to a prison and I was shipped out. So I went to a low security prison. So this prison wasn't like it wasn't a penitentiary like you see. It was more of a lower security for lower
4: prize people. Yeah.
2: And when I got there, I'll tell you what was funny though, when you when you go to prison, people are when you walk do walking into the prison, people are watching you. And they're watching you to see whether you know you're from the same neighborhood. They're watching to see to figure out what your crime is, or they're looking to see whether you're gay. hmm And I didn't think I was out here, you know, showing off or anything. And I was I I walked pretty straight. But by the time I got to my room, the first thing my roommate asked me was, Are you gay? <laughs> I said, my God, not even a hello? Not even a how are you? Are you gay? <laughs> I was like, damn, they got me real quick. Yeah. I didn't even
4: say a word. I didn't even speak.
2: Yeah. yeah everybody yeah. knew I was gay. The whole town knew I was gay. Yeah. Yeah.
4: Well, your father knew when you were nine. I mean, you yeah. said, you. So I don't think you could hide it.
2: Jamal. <laughs> <laughs> so I thought I could have at least, you know, speak first before they realized. But, yeah. Uh, everybody knew. And I, I, I didn't hide it. I didn't, because I knew I couldn't. Mm-hmm. I, just, I just couldn't. So, yeah. So I was in, in prison. They call gay men girls.
3: So oh, okay. they call me,
2: the, me the new girl on the pound. Mm-hmm. And that's where everything started. So I'll tell you, one of the relationships I had It was the first relationship I had. It was the strangest one. I was in a strange relationship. So it was the second day I was there. I went to Chow, the dining hall, and there was a guy staring at me. I'm eating my food. There's a guy staring at me, staring at me hard. And I look up and it's this white dude. he is like a uh, little short, he has a bald head, muscled up, he has tattoos from his neck all the way across his body, and he has the most piercing blue eyes you will ever see. Mm-hmm. and he's just staring at me hard. I mean, this guy is has a mean face, he's you know he's a mean looking person. yeah, if you saw him on the street, you you probably cross the street. <laughs> so he's staring at me hard. And I'm like, oh, my God, why is he staring at me that hard? Now, based on his tattoos, you know, I didn't think that he would be somebody who would be interested in me. So I brushed it off. I ignored him. He was living in the same pod that I was living in. He was in, the, uh, he was in the upstairs. I was in the downstairs. And I started noticing that he would come by the the area that I was. I'm like, what's going on here? And then I started noticing that everywhere that I was, he was there. And he would be staring at me. He started stalking me, right? Mm-hmm. So, about about a couple weeks after, because I I was trying to get myself situated in the prison, I was like, "Why is this guy looking at me like this?" I said, "I'm tired of this. So I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna find out what's going on." So, I'm walking the the rec yard, and he's sitting in the middle of the rec yard, and he's he's staring at me. So, I, you know, I walk by him. Or Our eyes meet, and he licks his lips. I know what I do. I lick my lips back. I was like, <laughs> so what now? What now? What now? So he moves his head and points his head to the wreck bathroom to meet him there. So I was like, okay. So he walks to the wet bathroom. I walk behind him. Because we can't go together because he'd be suspicious because I'm openly gay. Yeah. So I go to the, to, the, to the rec bathroom. There's two urinals. He goes to one urinal. I go to the other. And then he hands me a letter and he tells me to read it. I had the letter on me, but it got wet when I came out of prison and it just lost it. But it was a letter saying, Oh, you know, I'm attracted to you and I want to be with you. And da, 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 I want to be your man. Da da, da 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 da. I was like, wow, goddamn. Yeah. So I was like, I want to see where this goes. I, I was curious. I want to see. He was attractive, you know, yeah. in a fuggish type of way. But so I wrote him back and I said, I don't know how this works, but let's see what happens. So he, tell, he writes back and tells me to meet him on Friday in the rec bathroom. Now, Friday's in the rec bathroom. Friday's in prison is movie night. The prison gets cds like the dvds the new release dvds mm-hmm. and so everybody's watching movies so everybody nobody's working out nobody's in the rec yard everybody's got their popcorn and watching movies so the rec bathroom is empty so we go in the rec bathroom and then he comes up to me and he just starts kissing me like i'm telling you he has the softest lips you would never believe a guy like that would have the softest lips and we're making out make it out like he's just Hungry, he's thirsty for some attention, right? You know? And we start playing with each other. He starts rubbing my ass. I start rubbing his ass. And we knew that we didn't have a long time. So after we made out, I, I pull his dick out, and we start jerking each other. And then he comes real quick. I couldn't come because I remember I was still coming off that crystal man. I couldn't come. It's coming was took me takes me a long time to come. Mm-hmm. So he he comes and then we make out some more, and then we say, you know, he, he says, We meet back up, you know, I'll write you later. So that was the way we did. We would meet up once in a while, we hang out once in a while. But what happened with the relationship was that even though we started hooking up, he would still stalk me. So he'd be talking to his friend, he'd be staring at me. Now, I'm an openly gay person. Everybody knows I'm gay. Yeah. And if somebody's staring at me that you're going to get suspicion so people are watching this and they're noticing that he you he's staring at me and people are, are make creating rumors around the prison and he's getting mad he's like he's he's blaming me saying that i'm spreading rumors i'm like i'm not spreading the rumors i haven't really talked to anybody here
4: and you weren't i mean you would tell me the truth right like if you were yeah. you weren't right
2: yeah you you are the one who's outing yourself mm-hmm. you know he was very jealous about who am i talking to why are you talking to that dude Da, 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 da. I'm like, it, that's the thing about prison relationships. I, I would advise people to stay out of them because they can be very dangerous because there's a lot of jealousy and it's not like you can just, you know, separate yourself from each other. You're in a confined place together 24-7. Mm-hmm. You cannot escape each other.
4: So when it doesn't work out, it's not a good situation because you're still stuck there.
2: Yeah, I've heard of people getting killed. Over prison relationship.
4: Oh, really? It's
2: it's in real intense. And the breaking point for me was that he threatened me. He had threatened me with violence, and that was it. I cut it off right there, and we stopped hooking up after that. And I just started ignoring him.
4: Right. And
2: yeah, so that that was the end of that. But it it, it was odd because you, when you look at a guy that you would never think based on the tattoo he had he had certain tattoos i won't say it, but it's a certain tattoos he had but he was telling me that he's been he was he was in prison for 15 years he was telling me that he had to join a gang when he got into prison and that gang he had to get them to ta- get the tattoos
4: you could get tattoos when you're in prison mm-hmm. really mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. they allow you to do that but you're not allowed to have sex
2: no well it's done on the low it's right you know, it's not done out in public it's done on the low but he got he most of the tattoos he had were prison tattoos.
3: Right, oh he didn't wow. get those
2: tattoos on the outside. Mm-hmm. So so he was part of a gang. And do you
4: know what he wound up in there for? What what was his charge? I think he was drunk. I think right, was drunk. same thing. Right, uh, I, I didn't ask him. How long did you wind up spending? So was that your last relationship in in prison? And just a lot more sex.
2: There was a lot. There was a, there was a, a lot more sex.
4: Gang bangs.
2: Uh, I was offered a gang bang. I turned it down because I, I'm not doing a gangbang They would have they would have shit me. Like right. if I am like, doing like a like a one on one, we can hide it. Yeah, yeah. I can't hide a gangbang.
4: Right. Did you ever get caught and get into the infraction for having sex? Because I mean, what are no, the odds that you never. would not really? So they're not really looking for it that hardcore, but they must know no, that you, it's you, going you have, on. You have to what you do is what you do is you watch you watch the CEOs.
2: Some CEOs stay in the office. Yeah. Some COs patrol a lot. So if you see a CEO that comes in that likes to just sit in the office, be on the computer, then you know that you know you can do whatever you want. They won't be looking around for anything. So that's when you can go in a little corner and do what, what you do.
4: How many straight guys did you think you hooked up with there? I'll
2: tell you this. I got hit on every single day. Really? Every single day I was there, I was hit on at least once. And it was all types blacks whites latinos
3: mm-hmm.
2: and guys you would never think and it, it wasn't just it, it was subtle it wasn't like you know they say hey suck my dick no it was like playing with themselves playing with their erections and looking at you yeah that that type of stuff and so that's what that's what would happen but i'll tell you another story i used to wake up early anymore because i'm an early riser and i to help me with with my coming down from Christmas, I drink a lot of coffee. Uh huh. To help, it's because it's a stimulant.
4: Yeah, they have coffee in prison. Yeah, that coffee.
2: Mm-hmm. Yes. So I had my coffee, I get my morning coffee, and I, I go watch the morning news. Usually, like at this time, nobody's awake or anything. So this one guy comes in. This was the first time. One guy comes in. He sits across from me, and he pulls his dick out and he starts stroking. I'm like. I'm like, God damn, I'm looking across and he's stroking, not looking at me. He's not staring at me. He's watching the screen.
4: The news. <laughs> he's
2: watching the news. He's stroking, stroking. to the news. <laughs> Stro- stroking. <laughs> and then all of a sudden he walk. He gets up and he shuffles over and he puts his dick in my face.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: It was a nice dick. I'm like, I'm not going to deny it. So I put it in my mouth. And the moment I put my mouth on it, he starts coming and he comes all in my mouth. And then he pulls his dick, pull his pants up, zip up and leave. Right. And you wouldn't believe it, every single day for the past, for about two months after, that's what we would do. I'd come in, watch the morning news, he'd come in, sit across from me, jerk, 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 just walk up to me and then the glasses come in my mouth. I, we would never talk, we've never spoken to each other, <laughs> that's what he would do yeah I interesting just the strangest thing ever
4: yeah yeah but it worked for both you both of you kept doing it
2: yeah i kept doing it, it was nice he had a nice dick. right i would love to suck it but he would never let me like when i try to walk over to him he would tell me to move over there go over there he would never let me touch him he would never let me he would just blast his come down my throat and that's it right
4: he that's probably a guy that's straight that doesn't you know and is compartmentalizing it you know in his own Uh way and those weird rules and boundaries made it okay for him you know everyone sort of frames things the way they need to in order for them to do things (laughs) that maybe are cool i don't know you know did he seem straight yeah
2: he was straight yeah I'm pretty sure he was straight. He had he had female pictures on his wall and stuff. So right there, sure you go.
4: Ay-yi-yi. Yeah, Ay-yi-yi. hilarious.
3: Yeah, yeah.
4: How long did you wind up staying in jail? Because your sentenced for six years, but you know, you always hear people good behavior. I did a year and a half in mm-hmm.
2: the detention center, mm-hmm. and then I did the the rest in the in the actual prison.
4: Oh, okay. That's why I was confused with the detention center. I'm thinking you don't spend that long of a time because you said you don't, but you were in there for a year and a half.
2: Yeah, because I, I, I couldn't post bail. I didn't have any money.
4: Oh, okay. So most people only stay in there for a week or something, like you said, because they do post bail?
2: Yeah. Or like if somebody gets a really low sentence, like yeah. a couple months. Yeah. They just just keep them there. There's no sense shipping them to a prison, so they just stay there until
4: right until their time is served. So you served in a year and a half in the detention center, which goes towards that six years, and then you go to yes. prison. And how long were you there? For
2: for, for the four and a half. Sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I got I got I got a year. I got a year off. So okay. that means I had I had seventy two
3: months. Six.
4: So you served five years total. Okay. So you wound up getting a year off for good, whatever behavior. Good time. Good time. Yeah, good
3: you get time. 5% off. One year, you
4: oh. got five, five percent. Good time. You got a, you sucked a lot of dicks. I, cause yeah. I need to know what happens when you come out. It was rough. Yeah.
2: I, I'm not gonna lie. Yeah. It was rough. I was homeless.
4: Mm-hmm. yeah yeah.
2: I was sleeping in parks. You, you know how much they gave me when I got out?
4: How much? Twenty bucks. Wait a second oh my goodness so they keep you locked up for five years you have no way of generating money or doing anything correct like there's no way to work in there and build or nothing right no 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 money making opportunities nothing nothing. so you're stuck there you don't make a dollar they throw you out onto the street when you're done and they're like here's 20 but what is the 20 dollars for I mean, why do they even give you twenty? It's so rude. Like, you just don't give anything. All, all they give you is a is a train because you go
2: on the Amtrak. Okay. And Amtrak, and then twenty bucks, and then you're on your way. And you got to go show up to probation office.
4: Right. So you walk out of prison, and there's nobody there to help you. You have no family anyway. Before, so you walk out to nobody. You could get to go to the t- train station. You get on a train, and where the fuck do you go? I was. Homeless. Wow. Homeless
2: for. Luckily, luckily, I got in touch with one of my cousins. Uh huh. And she took pity on me, and she took me in, and she's my lifesaver. Like we're cl- we're close like this. She took me in, and she saved literally saved my life. Right. Like, I was I was in a bad place. I was walking around, literally walking. I was sleeping on buses. Sleeping on park benches, like I was walking on with just one bag on my on my
3: back.
4: Right, where do you take a shower? Where do you brush your teeth? Nowhere, like you nah, can't do anything. I could take
2: shower for weeks. Wow, it was rough. It was rough. It was rough. I was like, I wanted to go back to prison. That's how bad course.
4: it Of course, yeah,
2: that's how bad it was. So she took me in, and I was able to 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 get back on my feet. I was able to work. I had to work hard. I had to do jobs, mop floors, clean toilets. Yeah, I do stuff that I didn't want to do. Mm-hmm. But I was like, I'm not going back to that dark place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That place anymore.
4: How long ago was that that you got out? How many years ago? About seven years. Oh, okay. So it's been a long time.
2: It's been a minute. Yeah, it's been a minute.
4: So yeah. you were able to. So you lived with your cousin. You were. A, you took odd jobs, whatever you could, to get your back, like self, out of that hole, right? And then, ha- yeah. Like, do you have a career now? And I,
2: I try to get a career, but it's it's hard when you have that
4: record,
3: that,
2: that record on you. Yeah. So I'm a, I'm a manager at a restaurant. Okay. So I, I, the restaurant that I started out at, uh-huh. my first job, it was actually my first job, and then I moved up the ladder.
4: Oh, wow. Okay, so you just got in there as like a busboy or someone, like you said, cleaning yeah. the fucking toilets?
2: Yeah. And then I worked my way on up to become a
3: manager.
4: So whenever you go in a job interview you know they if they do a background check or something or do you have to by law put it on your resume like um... i tend
2: to put it on there because i don't want to get a job and then they fire me because they find out I right lie. so you just put yeah. it straight up i just put it straight i just tell them straight up what i did and i try to explain to them but the only jobs that i could have gotten other than that is like warehouse jobs yeah and i'm yeah. not into big in warehouses i'm not big, <laughs> big in big they lifted up big boxes and
4: but i would assume like working in a restaurant and managing a restaurant is a is a is a great career that's something and you i think that's great that you were able to work your way up i mean that restaurant took a chance on you you let them know what your deal was going in and they were cool yes- mm-hmm. yes
2: and it's 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 a job i mean i'm i'm on call 24 seven any problem i have to go in that's why i had to cancel on you Anybody calls out, I have to go in. Oh,
4: you're right. That's what I mean. That's how I knew you were, like, working now. And <laughs> how old are you now, Jamal?
2: <clears throat> I'm 41.
4: Now, have you had any relationships on the outside now?
2: I, I haven't. I've been working a lot. I just, I don't know. It, when it comes to the sex, the sex is the is the part, part. That's my problem. I can't. I'm having erectile.
4: Dysfunction. Issue. Yeah. Dysfunction.
3: Uh-huh.
2: And. I never had that problem prior to crystal meth. I don't know what's going on. And Mm -hmm. it's, it's something that I'm trying to work on. I'm trying to figure out what is causing the problem. I don't know if it's the crystal meth that has damaged something. I don't know. Yeah.
4: Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. Now, do you get any kind of insurance through your, your gig or no? Yes. You do.
2: To my, to my restaurant. Yeah.
4: Oh, that's good. That's Mm -hmm. good. So you, you could, you need to go to the right kind of doctor for them to figure out, maybe get your hormones checked and stuff.
2: Yes, Because, I I don't know what's going on, and it's it's it's, and I try I I try I can get it up, but then when it you know a guy is trying to get me to come I just can't I just just can't get over the hill like I can't reach
4: the hill. Mm -hmm. Was it that way in prison? It was that way. It was always that way, right? After crystal meth, I have never been the same. Yeah, never been the same. Yeah, that's interesting. Mm -hmm. Somebody must have studied that and knows about that. I don't know if you've googled it, but I'm sure. It's from that that makes sense now have you yeah. you know do you are you in therapy because like that all that stuff that you went through when you were younger and then just being in jail have you ever tried to go back and work through any of that stuff because I know like I'm an addict right and I I'm clean and sober for a very long time but you know when you have stuff put on you I don't know that you could ever unpack it all and become a hundred percent whole but you know when you have an addictive personality the more you work on yourself the more chance of success of stay remaining sober you know the last thing you ever want to do is fall off the wagon
3: mm-hmm.
4: right I mean are you luckily my job keeps me busy yeah and that that's that's the thing about an
2: addict yeah is when because i do still I do i do i do I do still crave I'm all will I, one thing i have known I will always be an addict I, Always been.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. And I would always crave it. And I do have cravings. And it's when it's those times when you are sitting by yourself mm-hmm. and you're alone in your apartment. That's the worst times.
4: Yeah. Right. Of course. Yeah. So you keep yourself busy. But I mean, you've never gone into therapy to talk through all that stuff that happened to you when you're younger, because that's hardcore. Th- that's hardcore stuff that would probably rear its ugly head in relationships and a lot of areas of your life.
2: Yeah. I know I have I haven't I should but I haven't
4: yeah you should what's the you know listen time's going to go by anyway there's nothing better than having a good therapist because it's just like you know 45 minutes of talking about yourself who doesn't like themselves enough you know
3: (laughs) yeah you're right
4: you know and listen as an addict yeah you'll never get rid of that thing I totally get when you say like oh as an addict anything that i like i want more of i feel that way about everything you know if i find a song i like i I will listen to it on loop you know i can't get enough yeah yeah especially especially my
2: problem now is food (laughs) because i'm a restaurant because i work at a restaurant so like i'll be walking by somebody's cooking something and i pick something up and i just eat, eat 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 and i you know and that's my problem right now is cutting back on the food and getting back into shape and stuff like that that's my that's my major and, issue
4: and do right you now. go do you ever go to like because you got clean and sober sort of the harsh way you didn't go to any kind of na room no. or anything like that i'm assuming they had that available in jails like was that available in jails
2: they had what's called art of it's a drug program that's that's in the in the prison
4: mm-hmm. I think
2: it's bullshit it's just money it's just making money
4: right but you've never been in a program so you've just been sober and off of the the you know you haven't done crystal meth I'm assuming since you got out no I, no, yeah. I haven't
2: no, no I won't touch that stuff no it's like it's like when you stop drinking soda for a really long time mm-hmm. the body the body no longer craves it anymore. Yeah. yeah yeah wants it anymore. yeah but and I just don't want to go back to that dark place. I really, really don't want to go back to that dark place. That's the only thing that's stopping me. And me being busy and keeping myself busy and don't have idle hands. Yeah.
4: But how were you through COVID when everything got fucking locked down?
2: You know, I, I was lucky to live in a place where... It wasn't? <laughs> it was. I was an essential.
4: Oh, essential. okay. Thank God. Right, right. So yes, you got... Yes. Because, I mean, I think a lot of people when that happened, a lot of people who were relying on staying busy, right? Like, you know. Uh, yeah. And do I know a lot of people who, yeah. who,
2: who fell off the wagon. Yeah, like of
4: course. Time. Of course. Because if that's what's keeping you off the wagon, on the wagon, <laughs> take, you know, COVID was such an extreme thing, but it took away all of that from so many people. And I just think, you know, no one's ever done The studies yet or we don't hear about all the people that killed themselves and fell off the wagon and all that because of those extreme circumstances that we all went off so thank god you didn't but i think what you need to do so that in case your restaurant closed or there ever is a time in your life that your distractions get taken away you should really be working on you know just filling a little bit of that hole inside of you and working on that stuff that led you to crystal meth, you know, because that was a lot of stuff that was put on you when you were really young and it will only help you to work on it. I, like I said, I don't think anyone could become a hundred percent perfect, yes, uh, yes. but you could become better and it could really help you so that it's not like, Oh, just the distraction. Cause that's scary. Cause that means like, what happens if that went away? What happens if your restaurant went bust tomorrow? You know what I
3: mean? I mean,
2: it, it's a it's a habit that I've learned from when I was young. Mm-hmm. I learned to deal with things on my own. I'm not used to relying on other people. Of course. I've a very independent person. Yeah. So it's it's a habit that I, you know, it's very hard to break.
4: It's very hard to say to yourself, like, I need help. I Some, I, I, I get it. Yeah. It's very, it's a, not a good feeling for a child who was abandoned that decided I, I can't trust anybody except myself. Like, that's all I have. I get that. When I I remember exactly where I was when I realized that I had to quit drinking, and it was the most disgusting, awful, shameful feeling I ever felt because I, like you, was someone that was like, I don't need help. You know what I mean? Like, I got this. Uh-huh. Like, most people are very hard in that way, you know? So uh-huh. feeling that vulnerability of knowing that you're in a place that you need help is not comfortable, and I get that, but... I- Everybody, just so you know, everybody in life has help. You don't have a family, a close family. Most people have that. You don't have brothers or sisters. You don't have a lot that other people do. So it's not like you need more help than anyone else. Like you, you, you mm-hmm. but everyone could fucking use it. You know, you don't you why wouldn't you go out? You have insurance. You go out and get yourself a fucking therapist. Talk to somebody Just about your shit.
2: Yeah. Seriously. I yeah, definitely. I should. I should definitely look into that. Definitely.
4: Yeah, it'll only help. I mean, I think, it, like you said, it's th- going to prison saved you. You've been seven years. Are you clean and sober, or do you drink and stuff? Like, but you just don't do. The I'm not drugs. a big
2: alcohol. I've tried alcohol. It's not my cup of tea.
4: Okay. Mm-hmm.
2: It's not my. It's not my cup of tea. It's. It's more of a depressant. It makes me feel worse. Mm-hmm. For some reason, it doesn't make me feel better. Yeah, it feel worse. Crystal meth was the one thing that made me feel.
4: Right. You like that Bad earth. Don't ever take don't ever take opioids. OK, like don't ever if you wind up in the hospital with a leg injury, don't let don't ever fucking take that shit. Yeah, you
2: know? <laughs> I've heard about that. Yeah. yeah.
4: Yeah. It's hard. And as an addict, you'll get that feeling of like, oh, my God. I feel like a normal person. I feel happy, like a normal person. Like this must be like how normal people feel, you know. I could under you could understand why people get addicted to stuff like that. So you always have to be careful. I feel like as an addict to make sure you never wind up back there. I think it's amazing that you've been out of you know prison for seven years. I think it's amazing that you worked yourself up and you're managing a restaurant and you're you are clean and sober. And I would just say to you that you should definitely. Everybody at some point in their life needs a little therapy. Everybody. Okay, I'm sorry because every human being is flawed and we all have imperfect parents because everyone's imperfect and we all have things put on us that we could work through and that you really had some horrifying things happen to you. Besides the prison. I'm talking about... That's why you wound up there, okay? Like, people don't wind up as criminals and all these things and hardcore drug users needing to do crystal fucking meth to check out because they had happy lives, okay? People do that because they want to be numb the fuck out because they had really bad shit happen to them. Massive trauma. Massive trauma that you needed that much. I dated a couple guys that at some point in their lives did heroin and these were people that had you could trace back to like a really bad thing that happened to them you know you don't want to be that numbed out if you're a happy person you know it's yeah. it's equal to the amount of trauma that was put on that person to begin with so i think you want to work on that why not it is only going to like i said help you and make you more secure that you never wind up back where you were ever and i think you know, you're right in looking at that as the best thing that ever happened to you, you know?
2: No, I, I knew I wouldn't I wouldn't have made it because I was, I was spiraling. Yeah. Really <laughs> I was spiraling.
4: Yeah, but yeah. this is what I think. I just think that sometimes, like, you know, when we take the drugs out, there's, like, we were, like I said, you weren't doing those drugs or spiraling just because of the crystal meth, but it was all the stuff that happened before. So that's the stuff that I think now you should tend to a little bit because it will only help you. And like I said, everybody could use a little help. And everyone does have help. You're right. You know, so don't feel bad about it. It's not a weakness. It's a strength. And it could only help you. But I think you've already done amazing on your own, you know. So keep me posted. I love this. I could talk to you in this story. You know, I wanted to get all of it because a lot of the other stuff besides the sex that's going down is like fascinating to me you know and just your personal journey I think all of it was super interesting and when I got your email I was like so excited to talk to you because I knew it was going to be this kind of conversation which is my favorite it just got so many layers to it and it's about so much I think it is very important to see people like I said somebody that was selling crystal meth and wound up in fucking jail And was sucking dick as a human being. Like what who are who are these people? There are stories, there are backstories. And I think it's important to tell.
2: I tell you this, you're the first person. I haven't spoken about this. My whole prison experience, my whole past. I haven't spoken with anybody about this. you're you're the first person. (laughs) person. (laughs) Even my own cousin, like, you know, we don't we don't talk about it
4: right but you need to and i bet you anything you're going to feel better when you hang up for having talked about it you need yeah to...
2: i do i actually feel better <laughs> i feel like a load has been lifted like
3: <laughs> of
4: course i love that it makes me feel like emotional like i love that that's what you need you need more of that and what i always say to people when they're like oh blown away and like oh that was something i never talked about that you know the fact that you decided to call into my show meant that your at a place where you are ready to talk about it. I'm just the first step, but there's something in you that's shifting and I believe that you need to keep doing that because how you felt talking to me is you should do that once a week. That will really change your life, and I think that you're ready for that because strictly because you decided to call in. I don't believe it was a conscious thing, like oh, Kathy's going to make me talk about my past. I think you just thought you're going to talk about prison sex, you know. But we went there and got all that other stuff, and that's important. And you know when you're what the second healing point of this is going to be is when you hear your story back, when you hear your story as a third person, you're going to be like, why won't I? give jamal that little kid that got abandoned by his mother and abandoned by his father right now he's like why wouldn't i help that kid that's a little boy inside of you you're the adult go help that person when you hear his story which is you but that's another part of you and another time you're gonna want to fucking help that guy and you should and i think it's gonna be very powerful when you hear it back so, let me know what you think after you hear it and let me know when you get your fucking therapist and you start talking to somebody because I think it's important, but I think you're it's time.
2: Yeah, you're right.
4: All right. Okay. Okay. Thank you so much for calling in. This was a great this is like my favorite kinds of episodes.
2: Thank you so much. I appreciate it.
4: Yeah, thanks Jamal. I'll let you know when it's going to come up and let me know what you how
1: you feel after you listen to it.
4: Okay. All right, bye.
1: Hi, everyone, thanks so much for tuning in to this week's episode. If you want to follow the show, follow me at Strict Anonymous on Instagram or Twitter. That's at Strict Anonymous. If you are on YouTube, make sure to subscribe. I love YouTube of my guests. Most of the girls send in anonymous pics, and some of the guys send in anonymous pics. So if you want to see anonymous pics of my guests as well as support my show and get these episodes early and ad free, sign up for my Patreon, slash strictly anonymous podcast. That's patreoncom strictly anonymous podcast. The link is also in the description below. Thanks so much for listening.